Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a program about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown, and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers, and more. You'll find Inside Books on all of the main platforms, and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is a debut author called Rachel Donoghue. Rachel burst onto the literary scene in Ireland in 2017 when she won the Hennessy Prize for New Irish Writing for a short story. She acquired an agent and subsequently a publishing deal on the back of the win. And her first book is called The Temple House Vanishing and it's out now. She's worked in media and public relations for a long number of years. And in the interest of transparency, Rachel, we need to tell the listeners we actually know each other. And we actually met years ago through PR and communications. But at that time I didn't know that you wrote you kept that very quiet I did a bit didn't I no I've I was always writing I think you know um post college and as my career was starting I would I would you know fiddle away with writing and scribbling away on words floating ideas nothing too coherent but it was really in um when I had my second daughter I had some time off from work and I kind of just found a, a was an extra creative sort of urge really to and to express it so I started with short stories and that's that was sort of my hobby I um, instead of running or doing yoga I was kind of writing and sat at the computer yeah exactly and obviously you know in our in our communications kind of roles it, there was a lot of writing you know there mm-hmm. was a lot of you know creativity in that I suppose more commercial corporate sense but for me uh, you know my weekend Sunday mornings was was trying to work on a short story um, and trying to I suppose bring some of my skills from my day job into a more creative form. And when did you get ambitious about it then? I, I I decided to enter. I was never part of a writing group. I never, you know, did any sort of writing program as such, which I know has huge value for people in terms of sort of building that network. So for me, the uh, entering competitions was my way really? in, in a way of kind of benchmarking um, how I was doing, but also giving me a little bit of discipline to say, look, you know, are you going to try and complete this story and try and get it ready, polish it up and feel, are you happy enough to share it? And so for me, it was almost like a virtual way of reaching out to other people who were writing and other people who were obviously judging just to get a sense. So it wasn't, it was in no way about trying to to um, to win, really. It was more just a way for me of having a kind of discipline and, and reaching out. And did you win? Eventually. <laughs> I was very dogged. I was very dogged. Um, the Hennessy was a big deal for me, really because it had such a broad reach. Um, you were really, because the stories that were shortlisted were published in, um, it was the Irish Independent for a while and then it transferred over to the Irish Times. So for me, when you're writing, you're really trying to reach people, just people who are going about their day, sitting on the dart, sitting on the Lewis, um, flicking through their phone or reading a newspaper. And so it had that attraction for me that it was a way of trying to kind of see, can I get people to read this? You know, will they click in? Do they like it? How do they feel about it? So, you know, writing's always about reaching out. It's a lonely profession, but ironically, you're always thinking about trying to reach um, and, you know, have resonance and do your feelings connect with other people's, do your experiences, etc. And the story was printed in the Irish Times. Did you get much reaction to it? And this was before you were announced as the winner, obviously. Yeah, no, it, it did. It got good. You know, the, I mean, I, I, I know not to maybe read comments and things, but I think it, I think, I think, I think it did. You know, I think it did. And it, again, that was the, the end game was really just a way of trying to 
have it visible and reach out to people. So the, the winning was second to that, you know. And did you have any expectation of winning? No, the competition? Abs- absolutely not. I'd entered it before. I'd been shortlisted, but I had never won. So I was fully expecting to... Um, and, and again, competitions, you know, it's so hard to judge. You know, how do you pick something? You know, there, there's such value in all the kind of work, particularly in the Hennessy. It's such a high standard, as in so many other writing competitions. So it's, you know, you shouldn't need to win, but it does it does give you that boost of courage. It gives you that kind of validation and, and also something practical in that you get a little bit of attention in the literary, um, I suppose, in publishing business. People are aware of it, even in the UK, you know, that would be a it would be it would have a kind of certain standard about it. So after you won, did you go home and go, oh, now what? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, strange. I had just started actually a, a few months previously, a, a great job with, you know, great people. And so I just I literally put my head down and obviously was working away as usual, writing at the sides. But it became, you know, in a way, my interest was sort of moving from, you know, career to wanting to try and explore the writing more fully and feeling that you kind of have maybe you know, uh, this is the chance now, you know, do you walk away from that? Almost like a fork in the road. So I, I made the decision to take a breather um, and just give myself a couple of months to see, you know, can I push? Because I'd never written long form and it's very different to go from short story, but it was something I'd wanted to do. The novel was always the goal. And in a way you have to make sacrifices. And I think that's it. It's like with anything, if you're going to try and commit to it, you either have to say, look, I'm going to earn less money for a while, work less, um, you know, go part time, go flexible, whatever you can do. Um, and for me, I just felt I needed to give it six months and then forget about it. And did you find you were disciplined in that period in that you got up and treated it like a job? And I treated and it, yeah, I had a kind of set routine. And I think most um, people who, who write do, you have to sit at the desk every day. Not, It's not always a good day. Um, you know, it, sometimes great stuff turns up and sometimes it doesn't. But I think the act of committing at a certain time. And I also got quite superstitious. You know, I had to be sitting by a certain point. I had to do everything the same way. I had to have like, you know, the coffee made, the dishwasher on. <laughs> then I go. could sit down, you know, children at school. So, yeah, I got kind of disciplined in that way and a little bit superstitious about it, funnily enough. And certain music that I had to to have <laughs> and all that kind of thing. So, but it obviously worked. Well, it it turned up it turned up some words on a page anyway, and and then obviously there's a huge amount of editing and all of that that goes into it. But just pushing pushing through that was an advice I was given by my agent early on. Was the difference with a short story is that it's almost like a it's like a little bonsai tree, you know, it's like this sort of perfect or miniature world. And, you know, the big difference with the novel is that you have to push, you have to push on. You're not polishing and perfecting this tiny world. Keep it growing. Keep it growing. So, you know, it's all learning. And, you know, even now I go, oh, yeah, I could, you know, and I'm writing my second at the moment to try and think, how would I do that differently? Or I need to make my world a little bit bigger. And that's my next sort of journey. Um, and you mentioned your agent there. So you got an agent then after winning the Hennessy. Was that yes. It? Did yeah. they approach you? They approached me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So again, that's that go? good. That, again, that's the platform. It's, you know, it's a, it's a whole new. And I suppose I've always been a big reader and, you know, that's the thing. It's like the books, the stories, etc. But then when you do step, you realise it is a business. You know, it's a big business and there's, you know, pressures and deadlines and people want you to. Um, you know, achieve what you can. So it's, yeah, it goes from a very um, isolated, lonely kind of individual experience to then being a lot more collaborative because you have people saying, you know, you need to meet this person and you need to get this done. So it, it, it 
yeah, it's it's entertainment business. <laughs> so, which is true. And you yeah. got, so you got the agent and then sat down and wrote the book. Was that it? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, right. I had been writing. I'd been working on it. So I suppose it just gave an added um, focus. And again, there was no guarantees. You know, I would say you have to you have to write because you want to do it. There's no there's no you do this and this it will equal this. It's a complete long game you're playing and you don't expect. I certainly wrote um, and for me, it was important to banish all doubt, even though I had that support there. It is your your creative journey and your um, expression that needs to be focused on. You can't think about who's going to like this or who's not. And certainly, you know, my agent was great in terms of he's just like, look, I know you're working. We'll talk in, you know, six months. months. I didn't share, you know, you don't share work or anything like that. Maybe they know the idea. So it's still very much you, something you have to do. But at least, you know, at the end of it, you've someone who can talk about it with you and help, you know, introduce it to some publishers, etc. But it is, it has to be your thing that you're doing. And how do the publishing deal happen then? Um, well, we went out with it um, probably autumn 2018, sort of October, November. And so it goes out to a range of people. Again, I, I, I didn't know who and everybody went to, but you get feedback, you get rejections, you get yeah, nearly, you know, some close misses and not. And then, you know, it just has to read. It has to reach the right person, you know, somebody who finds something in the story, you know. Um, so like with anything, like going for, you know, a job or anything, it's just that kind of chemistry as well when somebody reads something and goes this really speaks to me so it's not a science you know but obviously London had a big market and I was kind of interested in London to start in London and see if we could make it there if we could kind of get somebody interested and we did so it was great. And how did you deal with that rejection then at the start? Okay I think and this is this is the strange you you have to be and I think in a way it's why I came to writing you know it took me a while to get the courage to write. And I, I talk about courage a lot because I think it is, you have to be okay with failure and you have to still do it anyway, yeah. but be okay with failure. And, you know, and not not that you're looking for failure and not that you're not being positive, but that you do it anyway. And I think I, for me personally, I felt I needed to be older. I needed to have, you know, bruises from, you know, just rejections generally in life and you work hard at something and sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, it's nothing to do with you. It's just it doesn't work out. So for me, that's why I think starting later, I I had that courage. I just wrote like no one would ever read it, even though I knew I had the agent down the line. But you have to write as if as if no one will ever read it and that the act of writing is the important thing. And the piece you enjoy. And the piece and you enjoy. And even it. now I do find it's like this phase of pushing with the book nearly coming out, Temple House Vanishing, it you know, um, I'm dying to just get back to the desk. You know, it's a bit, <laughs> know, it's a yeah. bit, it's it's not kind of the, the thing you love about it. It's the thing you, you obviously want the world to see it and read it if somebody might find it of interest. But yeah, the experience, it's the act itself. So it's trying to manage that being positive, but also being okay with not it not working out. And how does it feel then seeing the book on the shelf? Yeah, amazing. You get kind of a proof copy first, which goes out to a lot of you know, readers and book bloggers, etc. So they get an early version. So that was amazing. And just seeing it in passing a shop and maybe seeing it or being in a shop and seeing it. And as you said, it's called The Temple House Vanishing mm. and it goes back um, to 25 years ago when a 16-year-old schoolgirl and her art teacher disappeared without trace. And it was a mm. scandal. And it's it's quite interesting, but I wasn't sure what genre to put it in. What, what do you think it is? Yeah, I think it is. I think it falls between... I certainly wrote it with a literary mindset um, and I wanted the 
the you know for me the sort of quality of prose the quality of writing to be is the best that I could do so certainly I think there's the literary element I would say it's kind of a mystery maybe part coming of age you could put it in that category as well um, I mean genres are by their nature sort of limiting you know and for me they are a lot of the time just to help categorise you know they're literally for where do you put it which shelf does it go on what barcode does it get you know so I think again for anybody who's out there writing and thinking you can't think about that type of thing you have to just write what you have to write so for me I think it's it's certainly not a thriller I don't have the 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 complicated plot engineering mind but it is an exploration of um I suppose this relationship and the intensity of it and the school experience and also the religious iconography was strong for me coming through. But I think literary mystery, if you're if you're looking for a home, it's probably there. And it's actually written from two points of view as well, that of a journalist in present mm. day and that of Louisa 25 years ago. And she's the schoolgirl who vanished. So did you purposely set out to, to use that format? No, not really. It just sort of emerged. Um, the... You know, for me, I had a very clear picture of the beginning of the book, which was Louise's uh, kind of arriving and all of that happening at the school and just a sense of her being abandoned a little bit and isolated and vulnerable. And then I actually had a very clear picture of the last chapter. I knew I knew what would happen, um, but I had no idea in between how the, how we would get there. Um, and it's funny, it's happened again with the second book. I had the, the beginning very clear and I have exactly what the happens end. at the end. But every day it was a bit of bit of an experience, a bit of a mystery for me to go, OK, what are we going to do today and where is this going? So um, so the journalist voice kind of emerged because um, literally as, as I was going along, I was like the school, the school sections are quite intense and they're quite dark um, and... I felt, you know, the sort of emerging of another voice. And in a way, I suppose the journalist is kind of me nearly writing it, you know, trying to work out what did happen? Yeah. You know, where where did this go? What happened to the two of them? So from that point of view, she, that journalist just kind of came through. So there was no plotting process then. It was a case no. of sitting down and it, it just yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And it's feeling, you know, I, I think for me, mood, setting, atmosphere, they're very strong when I have a... Temple House Vanishing is a very autumn winter book. It's mists, <coughs> excuse me, it's rain, it's dark. While the second book I'm working on at the moment is summer and it literally is, it's bright. It's like white light, you know, it's heat, it's sand in your shoes. And I can feel it almost changes um, the way I write a little bit. It just becomes a different, very different experience writing. So for me, I had a very clear feeling of the mood of the Temple House Vanishing and the darkness. And I was also interested in that time, the two teenagers Louise and Victoria are in school in kind of the early 1990s which would be similar vintage to myself and the element of um, just that sort of world that's teetering on change you know that's kind of almost the last of the hellfire schooling you know in terms of quite a strict Catholic school all that iconography so that time was interesting to me and I felt exactly the same because mm. I was in, in school at the same time and I felt I could ad- identify an awful yeah. lot with the content it also had a feel of sort of dead poet society about it mm, mm, a little bit yeah yeah. I think that charismatic teacher I suppose is kind of a motif that appears in in a lot of books and in a lot of films as well and it is it's one of those because I think it's a very real thing people can have that teacher usually for good who is very um, inspiring or makes you feel like you can you're different to other people you can achieve more they see more in you so that kind of notion of the teacher but in a way this is a little bit darker and it's a bit more ambiguous yeah. and how long did it take to write then in the end 
It took about seven months for first draft and then you're you're looking at six, eight, nine months more of edits and getting views. And I also had the US were looking at it at the same time as the UK. So I took on some of so I'd sort of views from the UK and then I'd use views from the US, which is good in a way because it means it'll be the same version because sometimes there's a slightly different version comes out in the States. So, so yeah, so it took um, a few months. But it was, for me, actually, a lot of the editing was my style of writing. And I suppose it's from the short stories is quite sparse. It's quite bare. So a lot of the editing was actually... Um, filling it up a little bit right. rather than taking huge amounts out it was you know adding a little bit more maybe feeling about a character or mood so and again the editing process was fascinating it isn't it's not a proofreading exercise they don't go through you know it, it's more they say look I, I think I understand this about that character but can you bring you know do you think she's really sort of do you think you've expressed that part of her personality? So they're very free. They don't tell you what to, to do, you know, or it's how more, to do it. or how to do it. It's more like, I think, you know, maybe she needs to show this side of her a little bit more. So, um, so for me, there was, there was kind of going back and just maybe kind of enhancing some parts of the character rather than taking chunks out. I wish I wrote more that I could take chunks out, but I, it's, I'm like, they're, they're, they're not the, they're and not 900 word novels. You know. Are you doing that now with the second book? At the moment, I'm in the middle of writing. I'm due to be finished kind of just before the summer. So again, it's it's very hands off. You just work away. And um, obviously they they like the idea for the second book. And um, but they're not, you know, they'll just look at it when it's finished to, to read it as a whole. And when you say then it's sort of quite a different atmosphere, what can you give us an indication of what it's about? It's um it's focused on a sort of seaside town, actually, a kind of fading seaside town um, in the late 1980s. And um, central characters are, are a mother and a daughter um, and just some kind of strange stuff. And actually one of the characters from Temple House Vanishing, again, just sort of turned up. Oh, really? Turned up for a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> there they are. I was like, look, there you are. And um, which is really weird because it's funny writing this person again. They it, they they just emerge, you know, they just they really strong. Did you plan it? No, no, no. Suddenly I was like, oh, my God, that's, that's who's there. And um, so it just threads through. I personally kind of like sometimes in, when you read and you see somebody you recognise them, but it wasn't planned. She literally turned up. So, And, you know, as you said, you've written short form and long form, obviously, yeah. with the short stories now and the novel. Do you do you have a preference? I still I love short stories. I, ha- I haven't been writing them that much at the moment. It's a few months since I finished one. Um, I think short stories are kind of when they're good, they're so good. And I think in a way, some of the most memorable, memorable pieces of writing I, you know, that that stay with you are actually some of them are short stories. You know, an Irish short story writer is just amazing. I think of like Guests of the Nation or um, some of the Maeve Brennan ones, you know, where you just they really stay with you. Um, and also novellas. I love novellas, mm. but I don't think there's a market really for novellas. But I will definitely going to write regardless and um, plan on writing a novella. Um, I just think they can be perfection, really. Um but I so I, I, I like both and I think it's important to be able to do both and kind of keep the um, because some stories are just expressed in that really tight, tight kind of um, miniature world. Um, and I think they, you know, they stand on their own on that. So, no, I don't no, no preference yet. No preference. So is this definitely a long term career path then? I don't know. It's certainly it's something I won't be stopping doing, you know, and I think you just when you want to do. I think when you want to express yourself, whatever way that might, whatever form that takes or whatever art form that takes I think it's just part of kind of who you are and you you just want to do it um, so f- certainly for 
for me, I, I don't see myself stopping writing. You know? And as a debut author then, how have you found other authors in terms of, you know, have they been supportive? How has that worked out? Yeah, well, I actually just met two lovely um authors Michelle Gallen and Neve Campbell this week who both have books coming out in the next few months so it was lovely to hear their experiences um in general I don't know huge you know I suppose it's quite an isolating experience so for me it's only now that I'm starting to kind of meet more writers which is wonderful and you know hopefully kind of just I suppose build more of a network in a way um because I think it's an exciting time for Irish writing and there's just so many um interesting diverse age ranges writing and voices and so I think it's it's lovely to to feel there's such community and it's something I did notice when I would tell people I was taking time off to write um, Irish people are so supportive mm-hmm. it's ridiculous you know nobody nobody thinks you mightn't do it everybody's hugely positive everybody knows someone my aunt my neighbour you know somebody who's written something or got something published and we've had such you know a track record um, and I think it's a sort of soft cultural support for writing in Ireland because I know in, in, in London you do feel they wonder where are we all emerging from, you know, whereas um, all these voices continuously keep coming and of such a, a good standard. And I, I do think the soft support that's there amongst your peer group and in addition to then obviously the writing community, um, it makes people believe, you know what, I can I can try this, I can I can do it. And it might be worth doing, you know. And it will be. Well, Rachel Donoghue, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find Rachel's book, The Temple House Vanishing, in your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 